Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monorail Radio, episode number 107. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. Are you ready for fun? And fancy free. Are you ready to have a good time (laughs) with Jiminy Cricket and Dinah Shore? Always. 1947's Fun and Fancy Free. Celebrating an anniversary this week. Yeah. So this is kind of a really interesting movie because for me growing up, it was similar to the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, where I had seen both shorts separately without realizing that they came from the same film. And that was the same situation here because I watched Mickey and the Beanstalk a lot as a kid and had no idea that it was a part of fun and fancy free. Same. I had only ever seen Mickey and the Beanstalk, but I think what's different with the release of the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad and this is that those two were sort of, merged for the purpose of sales right for either the screening or for eventually the VHS release and you're you know you're packaging two shorts to make a whole feature length in this case these two films were actually being developed as feature lengths and they were going to both have a theatrical run but because of the war and budget cuts they got merged into one film for better or worse is what we are going to determine Right, so there's two shorts here that make a full feature-length film. So we'll talk about the first, and then we will discuss it, and then we will talk about the second and discuss it rather than just go through it, because it wouldn't make a lot of sense to do it that way. Yeah, and the fact that they're sort of strung together by way of Jiminy Cricket doesn't really have anything to do with the plot. Uh, No, Uh, but we see Jiminy Cricket and Cleo. They're both back, so that's nice. It's nice to see them back. Um and Jiminy basically is hanging out in a child's playroom, and he turns on a record, which is the story of Bongo, as narrated by Dinah Shore, and he turns the record on, and he's listening with the toys in the playroom, and basically it's the story of Little Bear Bongo, a circus cub that is adored by his audiences and mistreated by... The people at the circus, he wishes for something better. While on a train ride, he escapes captivity and goes into the wilderness and sees that he is completely out of place. Um, And then he meets another cub named Lulu Bell, and they fall in love. And he is turned off by Lulu Bell, who slaps him. And when she goes to slap him again, she slaps another bear named Lumpjaw. And he thinks that she's teasing him. It's not until later that he realizes that bears say I love you with a slap. And so he goes back to Lulu Bell and he has to basically outwit Lumpjaw to win her back and win her affections. Which he eventually does. And the circus bear goes on to live in Mother Nature with his newfound love, Lulu Bell. Yeah, I mean, that's it. That is the entire thing. Um, It is, to my knowledge, it's the first time that we had seen a celebrity mentioned by name in Dinah Shore. Right. And 
off the top of my head, I think that's the only time they've ever really done anything like that. Yeah. I mean, she she did a ton of voice work. She had an amazing career, but it's just interesting that they didn't give her a character and they just out and out said, Dinah Shore is going to tell us the story. Yeah. Um, I mean, I she she's a nice fit. She's got a nice soothing voice. Obviously, she's a lovely singer. I You know what I like about this in the animation is when Jiminy Cricket puts the record on, the record looks great. I actually thought that would, for for 1947, and really it was released in 47, it was being worked on before that. I thought the animation in that aspect was actually quite impressive. I agree. And I, I love Jiminy as the narrator. Always do. R.I.P. wishes. Um, oh, we're still on that, are we? We're, we're never off of it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting that they had him throw to the record player and then it's narrated throughout. I was surprised. And I mean, I guess that does have to do with budget is just cast one actress to narrate the whole thing as opposed to voicing Bongo, Lulu Bell and Lumpjaw. Right. So you're saving there. And I, I, I did kind of like that storytelling aspect, um, but I feel like just getting into the story of Bongo, like like you said, there were a lot of recycled elements from Pinocchio. There's Cleo. There's, I think, what is supposed to be Figaro because I she chases tell. Jiminy into the nursery. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell either. It it looks very similar, but I don't know that it was supposed to be. It was like yeah. a cross between Figaro and Lucifer, actually. Yes. Um, so again, you're you're seeing where that budget got cut. I don't think that they were recycling frames but i certainly think that the nine old men were perhaps on autopilot at that point and i think they were just strung out i think they were drawn out way too thin everywhere right because then you get once jiminy gets into the nursery there's the marionette who looks just like one of the girls that pinocchio's dancing with in stromboli's show yeah sitting next to a stuffed bear so aside from actually putting on the record I feel like it's just kind of a clunky setup. It's obviously very forced because they were just trying to make something of the work that they had put in to the animated short. Um, But I kind of wish that Bongo did get more love. I mean, I think it's a good setup as far as his story. I think they really milk it as far as setting up a very sad situation, despite how much it feels like Dumbo. Um, At least Dumbo you know, had a whole, he had his mother and the circus was kind of a family. Bongo is just completely being exploited. Yeah. I I feel like the story of Dumbo is far better than the story of Bongo. Because the thing with Bongo that gets so confusing is that the grass is greener on the other side. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of high low there i honestly don't think the story is that great i mean it's it's very simple but what i don't necessarily like that i feel got lost to time is that there is still some great animation in this sequence yeah despite you know the budget cuts um in particular what i'm thinking about is the the water sequence where he first meets lulubel and he sees the fish underwater the way that they pull off the reflection is amazing and then when bongo dips underwater too they just give it 
you know, we talked about it when we reviewed Pinocchio was how amazing it is when he's underwater and he looks like he's really weighted down by that rock and yet he's floating. And, you know, I, I like that we got to see that again, um, even though they're just pretty much pulling all their tricks out. Yeah, I also like the symbolism of the prison stripes on him when he's laying in bed with his pajamas and the moonlight is coming through the bars of the windows and it projects, you know, it's, it's, a, it's very sad imagery. Um, but I think it works here. I think it works for the story. I think it works in making you feel sympathetic towards the character. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I, I like, that's the thing. Like this is a, it's a nice little short. It's kind of nice that the other animals help him out. And obviously nobody likes lump jaw, especially Lulu Bell. But I'll be on. This might be the shortest episode of Monorail Radio of all time. But I, I, I just, that's all I got on this. Like it's, I, I, I understand what it was that they were doing, because they had already invested money in a production, and obviously, Walt Disney paid to get the rights to this story, so they have to do something with it. Mm. But it feels like they had to do something with it. Well, brace yourself, because with the state of the industry that it's in right now, we're going to see a lot of this happening where there was money that was sunk into a production and they're just going to try and squeeze all the juice out of the lime. Um, What I really didn't like about Bongo, I felt like that cloud sequence was totally disjointed. Um, I mean, I get it. They're falling in love. But as far as the animation, you've got like I was talking about the water sequence before and they, they paint this beautiful forest uh, and it's, it's very real looking. I think they were going for a realistic animation and, you know, obviously Bongo and Lulu Bell are more cartoon like, so they're going to pop off of it. Right. But then once we get up to the clouds, it felt very Fantasia to me. It was really trippy. Yeah. And I mean, I like the song. I like the sequence on its own, but I feel like it had nowhere in this movie. And that's, you know, I'm wondering if maybe at one point that was supposed to be a part of Fantasia because Fantasia was another victim of these budget cuts because Sorcerer's Apprentice, same thing. That was supposed to be a feature length. And then they just had it as the lead in to all the vignettes of Fantasia. So I'm wondering if maybe... That was pulled at one point. I'm not exactly sure. It looks like a hodgepodge and you can feel every bit of these budget cuts. It's not an instance like Alice in Wonderland was slightly further along than Cinderella. So they pushed that one out first and then they held Cinderella for a few years later. Those still feel like complete films and you'd never really know the difference. Yeah, these feel like they were halfway through and just had to get it done. As quickly and cheaply as possible. I mean, is Chip are, are Chip and Dale in this, or is this just recycled animation again? Like, is it ju- is it them? Is it supposed to be? Is it them and is it just chipmunks that they had to put into the woodland creatures? I, I just don't know what's going on here. I kind of like to think of this as Chip and Dale's first appearance. I know it's not their first official one, but the way that they're focused on. It's not just your average woodland creatures like you saw in Snow White, where they're all there and they're all helping her clean. The way that they interact with each other, I'm I'm wondering if that was something like Walt latched onto because, you know, one of the nine old men did it and, and wanted to develop it further. Right, because I think their first official appearance 
was in that Christmas short where they're in the Christmas tree and Pluto is chasing them around. And I'm wondering if this was supposed, like if they were supposed to play a bigger role in Bongo, like if it, this had been a full feature length film as it was meant to be, would Chip and Dale have had a bigger part in it? Right. It's, it's almost impossible to say at this point. I think that's likely their first credited appearance because that's when they're voiced. But right. this is every bit Chippendale. Yeah, no doubt about it. You want to talk about the music? Sure. Okay. Um, well, we didn't talk about the first song, Fun and Fancy Free. It's fun. It's, it sounds like classic Disney. It actually is. That was cut from Pinocchio. Ah, so I like the song, but I think that that was a good decision because I can't, th- there's no universe where I can picture that song in Pinocchio. Over When You Wish Upon a Star? No, no way. No way. No way. You have I'm a Happy-Go-Lucky Fellow, sung by Jiminy Cricket, right as he's leading into Bongo. I like, it, it, listen, you give Jiminy Cricket a microphone, I'm happy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Lazy Countryside, Dinah Shore is performing. Dinah Shore has, you know, three songs here that she performs, and the first is Lazy Countryside. I think it paints a nice picture of the angelic life, the euphoria that that Bongo has always wished for, contrast, uh, you know, against the circus life that made him so upset, you know, everything that happened behind the scenes. It's fine. It's fine in in painting a picture and driving the narrative, I think. This was actually my favorite part. Um, I love the way it's sung. I love the sequence. I think it's beautiful. And this is where you actually do get, finally, a little bit of story development because you have this lovely song juxtaposed against Bongo and all of the woodland creatures are settling in for the night, but he kind of makes a bed of grass and then there's bugs in it and he's starting to realize that this is not all it's cracked up to be. Too Good to Be True, it's a nice ballad. We talked before about the animation. I I think it's a great song. The scene gets a little crazy, but um, I think it works. I think it's completely forgotten about. But I think in terms of the Disney catalog, this is maybe as good a ballad as you'll hear in a Disney movie. I don't know. I I think it's more the animation of this sequence, but this is where it started to drag for me the first time. I think it's a long song. I think they could have tightened it up a little bit, but obviously they were stretching for time. Right. And then say it with a slap. I guess. It's fun. It's fun, I guess. I like it. I do like the animation here, too. I like the dancing bears, although it did feel very much... Hanna Barbera and yeah. less Disney, because especially when when he starts fighting with Lumpjaw, um, there were just elements to me that felt like a Bugs Bunny cartoon or or the Flintstones. I, I actually that's kind of where my head went more than anywhere else. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Just like Fred getting hit with a, a frying pan when they're slapping each other around. Yeah, and I mean that that's it. That's that's Bongo. Um... Jiminy Cricket leaves the angelic woods and enters your nightmares. Um, <laughs> exactly. When we go to a birthday party being thrown for child actress Luana Patturn uh, and uh, being, you know, sort of hosted by Edgar Bergen. 
and his hellish ventriloquist dummies. I mean, this is one, two, Freddy's coming for you kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and she has no friends at this birthday party. No, she's got Edgar Bergen, <laughs> Jiminy Cricket, and a couple of ventriloquist dummies. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know what the point of this is because Jiminy gets an invitation to the birthday party, leaves a window through some of the most rough animation. He sees it on a desk. Right. And the party happens to be tonight at the the house across the street. Some of the most rough animation you've ever seen is he leaves that window. When he grabs the handle to that window and it not just changes color, it brightens about 10 shades. Like, I felt like I was watching a Colgate commercial. No, and that's really a shame because we talked about how amazing it is when we first meet him in Pinocchio where he's hopping and they give you that effect with the camera. I wasn't expecting that again here, but that's that's a very big sloppy mistake. And I, I really hate tearing in like this because this was something that Walt touched. But... I don't care what your budget is. If it's changing color in the middle of the sequence, that's bad. George Lucas made episode one. I understand you don't (laughs) want to like tear apart something that Walt Disney touched, but sometimes people get it wrong. I also don't want to tear apart my ladies in the ink and paint department either. Sometimes people get it wrong. Um, I mean, it's, it's Mickey and the Beanstalk. It is, it's Jack and the Beanstalk folks. Uh, I, I don't know what you want me to tell you. It's Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, but we're, with, we're not going to make Sean tell you the whole story but here. But the, the biggest change here is that instead of Jack and his mother, you have Jack as a grown farmer with Goofy and Donald, and they're starving. And I think in spite of everything... This is some of the best Donald Duck you'll ever see. Yes. To me, I know Mickey. It's Mickey in the Beanstalk. He's the lead. I feel like this is almost a Donald movie. He was a total scene stealer. Time after time after time. When he gets when he goes after that cow with the axe. It it has made me laugh my entire life. I had this recorded on VHS off the television, so I watched this quite a bit. And when he's going loony from starvation, it's absolutely brilliant. And I, I think it worked that they did this with Donald specifically. Mm. Um, because could you have done husband and wife with Minnie and Mickey? You could have. I don't think it would have worked. In this case, I do think it did work. No, I think Donald definitely lightens the mood, especially in the very beginning where they're showing how impoverished they are and Mickey's cutting the bread paper thin and then they have to split a bean in three parts. Um, So I think it definitely milks it a little bit more. Yeah. I do think the animation here is very good. I, I would say that I think the animation in both shorts are very good. It's the in-between stuff that I think they're lacking. Yeah, although I did like the transition when Edgar Bergen sets up the narration and he's describing the countryside and every time he adds something, it pops up in the picture. Uh, So I thought that that was kind of cool. What I didn't like is that 
we got Dinah Shore doing all the dialogue in Bongo. But in this case, you have Edgar Bergen as himself and his dummies popping up. And aside from the fact that I just don't like the dummies at all whatsoever, it pops up and it's they, they're trying to weave it in and out of the story and it takes me out of it yeah, every single time. commentary. Especially because they bothered to have our three main characters plus the giant, plus the harp all speaking. And this was one of Walt's last times voicing Mickey. It is credited as as the last one, but he did it for television a little bit later on. But this was kind of the last movie. So, like, let that play out. Yeah, agreed. I think, and maybe it's because you're more familiar with the story of Jack and the Beanstalk, more so than Little Bear Bongo. This, though, feels like a more completed story. Like, could you have stretched this into a feature? You could have. But I think they kind of got it right here. No, and especially that it not only works as far as the actual story, but it works as far as the adaptation. They're not up and down the beanstalk a million times. It's just to go in and get the harp and save the harp like, you know, we're saving the princess. Um and the change with taking out Jack's mother and and making it a buddy story, I think that all worked too. Yeah. Um, you want to go into music? Do you have anything else? I, I I feel like, but we're not glossing it over. That's the thing. I mean, there's not there's not a lot you can talk about here. No, there there's really not that much to say on it. I mean, for people that have been following us for the previous 106 episodes, folks, we're not shy, okay? <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's it. It's it's so similar to when we did Prince and the Pauper, but I feel like we even had more to say about Prince and the Pauper than we did about this. But getting into the music here, My What a Happy Day, sung by Anita Gordon as the Golden Harp. I like it. Um, again, sounds like classic Disney, paints a nice picture, and I think does a nice job of of really kind of tearing your heart out when you see what happens after the harp goes missing. It reminds me a lot. I, I To me, she looks and sounds like Judy Garland. I kind of got a little bit of a Wizard of Oz feel from this. Yeah, I don't know if that was done intentionally or not, but I was definitely reminded of her singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I just feel like in the face, it looked like her too, with those mm-hmm. very wide set eyebrows. Yeah. What I find really distracting about the song too, because honestly, I-, I was paying more attention to the visuals than I was the music. That castle, to me, looks so much more like Cinderella's castle in Magic Kingdom and what we know today uh, than, than the Magic Kingdom actually reflects the film Cinderella. We did talk about that when we when we reviewed Cinderella. Right. That it, I don't know where the influence was pulled from, but to me... This this is Magic Kingdom. Yeah, I would agree with that. Eat Until I Die is the next song sung by Goofy and Donald. It's quick. It's fun. That's it. That's all I got. I think it's so funny. Yeah. That it sets up him bringing home the, the magic beans, beans mm-hmm. and that he totally got duped. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's a fun little sequence. Yeah. Fee-fi-fo-fum sung by Billy Gilbert. He's playing Willie the Giant. This I liked as a kid because 
Jack and the Beanstalk, the, the giant was always so intimidating. So to see this lighthearted, silly giant that just wants to be a pink bunny, I think it worked in lightening the mood. I think it definitely worked in playing up the comedy here. Um, this was a change that I think was for the uh, for the good. Absolutely. And I like that they didn't lose the fee-fi-fo-fum because that is probably the most memorable part of Jack and the Beanstalk. But yeah. like you said, they put the Disney twist on it. They made it a little bit more light. Um, and I just think it's a fun song. I think it's perfectly fitting for the character that they created because he is kind of this big dopey giant. Yeah. And then we later see him again in uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Right. Which he's he, he's perfect in that too. But it definitely works here. Interesting choice we didn't talk about. It almost feels like an after the credit sequence is that they don't kill the giant in this case. He comes crashing down and then walks through Hollywood, which I thought was hysterical. As Picks he's up being, the brown derby. Yeah, he puts on the brown derby as a bowler hat. It's it's absolutely hysterical. Um but again, interesting choice that they did that whole landscape and they made it well, I guess I guess that does sort of fit because we were supposed to be at Luann's birthday. Right, so it's assumed you're in the Hollywood Hills. Right, because if she's an actress. And I mean, she ended up doing a lot with Disney. I believe this was her first, but she went on to do So Dear to My Heart and Song of the South. Right. So really, when you think about it, her and Bobby Driscoll were like, and and maybe even Annette Funicello a little bit later on, those were like the three Disney child actors. That was it. Yeah. And Haley Mills, and and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So a lot of weight to put on all those kids' shoulders. Yeah. In my favorite dream, again, Anita Gordon. Um, I remember it as a kid. I remember what I liked most about it was once the giant went out and she's singing the instructions to Mickey about how to get the key out of his right breast pocket. Um, That, for some reason, was always one of those songs and one of those scenes that stuck out. Like, I just, I never forgot it (laughs) because I saw it so much as a kid. Um, But yeah, it works. It's fine. Agree. And again, this is where they really bring the story full circle by giving the harp a character and making it more about a rescue mission than just robbing the giant. Yeah. Um, And then we go back to the birthday party and uh, we see more of the ventriloquist dummies. Um, You know, I'm impressed with a ventriloquist when you're not seeing his mouth move i mean if you see it move a little bit that's expected but he's basically just voice acting edgar bergen is basically just voice acting here i can't for the life of me understand why they didn't just dub them over i mean budget okay fine but it really wouldn't have cost that much to have him just record that way his lips weren't moving. That it's it's some of the worst and and not that I'm very much into ventriloquism, but it is the worst I've ever seen. I can't believe in a film, you know, like that would be uncomfortable to watch live and see how much his mouth was He'd moving. Be getting gonged. Yeah. But you you have such an easy out here. Yeah. I I cannot believe they just let that go. Um final thoughts on fun and fancy free? Oh boy. Um it's it's just not good. It's just not good. Um, 
completely a victim of its time and circumstance. Um, there's a lot of great elements. And I would have really liked to see another universe where instead of just merging these two stories together and trying to make the best of it, maybe years later on down the line when they still were doing hand-drawn animation, split them up and, and complete them and, and let us see what it would have been full out. Um, with that said, do I want to see them remade? No, not really. I don't think there's much you can do. I mean, you can tell the story of Jack and the Beanstalk a million times. So I'm not, I, I'm sure that that wasn't the first and last Disney iteration of it. I'm sure there might be a, a Pixar version of it one day, you know? So that's fine. It's an adaptation, whatever. But as far as Bongo goes, I feel like that may be the one worth retelling one day. But I don't know that they ever would. I mean, is that worth doing like a computer animation with it? Probably not. There's just not a lot of depth to that story. No. I think as a whole, on its best day, it's fine. I think they're better suited as their own separate shorts with Mickey and the Beanstalk being the much better of the two. Um... I don't understand the point of it. I don't understand how they're drawn together. I don't understand the point that they were trying to make in tying them together other than, well, we spent money. That's about the, that's about the most positive thing I can say about it as a whole. Honestly, I wish they would have flipped them. I wish they would have paired Sorcerer's Apprentice with Mickey and the Beanstalk. So you've got two Mickey adventures. And then Bongo, you know, I said it before, the, the cloud animation looks like Fantasia. It reminds me of Fantasia. There's so many animals in Fantasia. Just put the Bongo story there. Yeah, I guess you could have done it like that. But we're interested in knowing what you have to say about Fun and Fancy Free. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monorail Radio. You can also email us, monorailradio at gmail.com. News of the week is coming up in just a moment, but first, a quick break. Hey, guys, my name is Mike. I listen to Jackie and Sean's podcast every week on my commute into work. So I reached out to Jackie, and she helped me put together the perfect getaway. I did a four-night Disney cruise ship, and she was able to answer every question that I threw at her. She put together the perfect dates and an insurance plan that made the whole experience stress-free. She was able to help me with little tips and tricks, like you can get a Mickey Mouse bar delivered to you any time of the day. And I think that was a mistake because now I put about 10, 15 pounds on. I'll definitely be using Jackie again in the future. Thanks for everything. So if you're looking to plan a vacation to either Disney World or Disneyland, definitely get in touch with me at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com, or you can hit me up on any of the Monorail Radio social media channels. Uh, before we get to the news, lots of housekeeping this week. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Disney trips. Yes. We have one coming up in about a month. Actually, a month from now, we will already be there. Um, and we had for been, our day in Epcot for let's, our day. Let's not everything <laughs> let's not get else too excited. Everything got canceled. Horror Nights got canceled. Not so scary got canceled. So it's one day in Epcot. But for those of you who have been following the show for a while, we've been talking about doing 
the monorail pub crawl, the monorail with monoreal. We did it last year. It was a lot of fun. We were going to do it again, obviously. COVID put an end to all of that. And right now, the poly is not even open, so you can't even do the full monorail pub crawl. So instead of doing that, we instead are going to do a listener meetup. A monorail meetup. A monorail meetup at Disney Springs on Sunday, October 25th, 2020, for those who are catching up in the back catalog, at Dockside Margaritas at 3 p.m. We're going to be there for a while. We want you guys to come, hang out. Let's meet. Let's talk. Let's have a good time. Let's just try to make the best of what Disney has to offer right now. And listen, don't threaten me with a good time. I love me some dockside margaritas. No, and I just appreciate that it's going to be open just as a bar. Don't have to worry about ordering food. So we'll just be able to go and hang out and hopefully listen to some live music. Yeah, that would be great. Um, Something else that's going on that we want to draw your attention to. I think... We all know, if you're listening to us, odds are you are a fan of Disney podcasts at large. All right? We were a very dedicated group of people. And when I say the name Lou Mangiello, I don't have to say anything else. Okay? He, he And I said this to Lou when he was on our show a couple of months ago. We, we talked about... Um, Summer we, Magic. Summer Magic. We reviewed and discussed it with him, and he, he came on. And, you know, Lou is, if you've never met him, when he says, handshake and a hug, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, I can tell you that the man speaks his truth. This is really how he is. So when the news came out, a couple of weeks ago that he had lost his mom. Obviously, we're all sad for him and Deanna and the family. And Lisa Denoto Glasner from the Castle Run, who's also been on the show, she's a friend as well. Not just of ours, but of Lou's. She went out of her way and gave us all a means of helping the Mongellos because they would never take. They, that's not them. It's not in their nature. They will never take. No, and for a family that spreads so much joy, Lou's community wanted to have a place to go, and they wanted to do something to help him in his time of need. And thankfully, Lisa gave us an outlet to do that. Lisa got in touch with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which means a lot to Lou. He started the Dream Team Project when when he lost his dad to cancer. And... She wanted to set up a donation in memorial of Lou's mom to raise $10,000 to send a family to Disney. That's how much it costs to sponsor a family on Make-A-Wish. It's $10,000. And she did it in secret and presented Lou with what she had done on his live show last week. And up to this point in time, at the time of this recording... She has not sponsored one family. She hasn't sponsored two. She hasn't sponsored three. Because of her work setting up this fundraiser and, of course, the contributions of everybody who wanted to be involved, four families 
are going to go to Walt Disney World. Over $40,000 has been raised. It's truly amazing how the community has come together. And we wanted to share that with you, our listeners, because we have donated and we hope that if you're so inclined, you'll want to do the same. Um, Not only, you know, is it bringing the Mangello family a lot of comfort right now because, you know, they need something happy to focus on. Um, But the way that the community is paying it forward, especially after the year that we've had, and we understand that, you know, Everybody has fallen on hard times right now, and we understand if you're not able to do it. But if you are, there are still families in need. There are still families that are going through hell, even just beyond COVID. And to bring a little light to them in such a bleak year means a lot. And it is Lou's mission to choose the good. And that's what we are asking of you, our listeners, is to choose the good and, and do something for someone who has brought us so much joy. Right. And, you know, Lou, Lou really didn't have the time. And I'm just saying, he really didn't have the time to come on to Monoreal Radio with all he had going on. Lou made the time. That's the type of person Lou Mangello is. So we're going to go ahead and share that on social media, the page for the fundraiser. If you can, great. If you can't, we understand. But we would love to see... This hit 50,000. We would love to get a fifth family through the gates, through the Make-A-Wish Foundation with a partnership with the Dream Team Project. So just keep your eye on the social media and we're going to go ahead and share that Um, because it means a lot to us. I'm on the running team. I raise money for the Dream Team Project. So I would have been doing something like this anyway in the next couple of weeks. Um, I would have done it. Honestly, if we didn't have COVID, I would have done this. At the beginning of the month, I always raise money for Make-A-Wish, um, running a, a race locally here. But it, it obviously didn't happen. So we're going to make sure that that goes out on social media. Um, to bring the room up again a little bit, um, to celebrate the beginning of the Halloween season, a lot of people have been asking us, when are you going to do another live watch? When are you going to do another live watch? Which um, we do appreciate, because yeah. we were just trying to kill time during quarantine, so... Thank you for your interest in watching with us. Yeah, I mean, that's how the whole thing started, was just during quarantine. But now people, they want to do it. And we kind of gave everybody the summer to go do your thing, enjoy the beach, enjoy the boat, go play golf, you know, whatever it is you're going to do. Now it's get, that chill is in the air. You want your, well, I don't want a pumpkin spice latte, but a lot of people do. <laughs> um, and they want their pumpkin beers and they want to put on their sweaters because, you know, sweater weather. It's sweater weather. Yeah, it's coming. Um, so we're thinking... Now is as good a time as any to kick off the Halloween season. So on Monday, October the 5th at 8 p.m. on our Facebook page, we're going to go ahead and create an event for this. We are going to do a live watch of The Nightmare Before Christmas. That is a crowd pleaser. We've reviewed it on the show. It's one that we gush over. I think this is going to be a lot of fun to watch this with uh, with the live crowd, with our listeners. And let's be real, everybody's watching it anyway. Tell exactly. Me. You got nothing else going on because you'd be watching it anyway. So, Monday, October 5th, 8 p.m. on Facebook. Go ahead and watch with us. All right, now for the news of the week. We've finally gotten here. We have a Tinkerbell that has been cast in Peter Pan and Wendy because, you know, Disney does everything gets a live-action remake. And Yara Shadihi, or, I'm sorry, Yara Shahidi, from Gronish 
has been cast as Tinkerbell. I like this casting because when you see her, like the facial structure, like I see Tinkerbell in her. I do too. Uh, I can just see once they put her hair up, she's going to have like that perfect pixie look. So I'm excited about that casting. Much more excited than I am about Jude Law as Captain Hook. Oh, no, I'm all about it. Now, here's the thing. It's hard to, it's hard for anybody when you think about live action Captain Hooks to do it better than Dustin Hoffman did. Right. But I'm really excited because I think that Jude Law, you've seen him play the villain in Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm interested to see what his take on Hook will be. Will he be a fever-eyed Hook? kind of pull from that uh, Long John Silver? Is he going to be a very eccentric hook like Dustin Hoffman, or is he going to fall somewhere in between? I love Jude Law, so I'm really intrigued by this. Oh, don't misunderstand. I love Jude Law, too, and I think he's a very talented actor, but to me, Hook is one of those flamboyant villains that I love so much, and I was really, really pulling for Russell Brand because I think if we're talking about just elevating the character from what they are already. I think it's just such a natural progression. I think Jude Law is going to bring a lot of changes. I think it depends on what the tone of the movie is. I think if you're trying to make a swashbuckling adventure film, you can't put Russell Brand in it. I I think his sense of humor, just his demeanor, and I love Russell Brand. Don't get me wrong. But I think it depends on what kind of movie you're trying to make. If you're trying to do something that's a little more on the edge of your seat, keep you guessing, I don't know that you could put him in. I'm going to die on the Russell Brand Hill. Fair enough. Where where are you on the WandaVision Hill? Because we got that trailer drop. I have made my feelings on Elizabeth Olsen and Wanda known. uh, And I may have to redact them because this trailer looks amazing uh i love the play on the 50s um i love that they're trying i don't know what exactly is happening with vision if like he's been resurrected or if if we're jumping through time i'm really not sure where they're going with that but i love that they're trying to hide in plain sight there's a, there's a definitely a back to the future element that i'm loving about it yeah and a little bit of pleasant fill too i think was one movie that you had kind of said it reminded you of yeah i'm excited to see it because i mean by and large what we're seeing right now on disney plus is excellent i mean that, that comes as no surprise especially when you look at something like the mandalorian that won seven emmys Seven. Seven. That's insane. Including music and score, which makes total sense, by the way. Um, I can't wait for Mandalorian season two. It's almost here. It is almost here. Yeah, we're just about a month away. Um, We also got Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom. That dropped on the 25th of September, so just yesterday. This is a show that follows... The Day in the Life of Disney's Animal Kingdom, voiced by Josh Gad. Of course. Of course, Who because better? why not? Josh Gad could read me the phone book, and I would love it. Uh, so I'm really, we actually have not sat to watch this yet, um, just because, you know, it's it's been a busy week. Um, but I'm looking forward to sitting and watching this, because I sort of love the evolution 
that Animal Kingdom has seen in the last 10 years. It's not the half-day park anymore. Um, and I've it's one of the places, like, it's, it's understated how excited I get going to Animal Kingdom. Mm. So to see A Day in the Life, and then you've got Josh Gad there, I anticipate that this is just going to ooze Disney Park magic, and this is going to give you that Disney Park fix that I think so many of us are missing right now. Hopefully it doesn't let us down. Thank you so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Monoreal Radio. You can email us, monorealradio at gmail.com, or you can visit monorealradio.com, where you have the ability to listen to every episode on Monoreal Radio, or if it's easier for you, and I think for a lot of people it certainly is, you can just subscribe to Monoreal Radio on your podcast platform of choice, and while you are doing so, it would be greatly appreciated if you could go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes. We always love hearing from you. We love hearing your feedback. That's a great way because we actually, you know, we do check. We do check to see because we want to make sure we're giving you guys the best programming possible. So thank you so much for joining us again. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.